Hello there, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Rock, Rock, Rock and Roll podcast. Check out this record. My name is Frank, and with me is my good buddy, Mark. Hey, Frank. Hello, listener. You can check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music Podcasts, and you can see these mugs on YouTube. That's right. We release new episodes each and every Friday, provided we feel like it. So you can get your weekend started with a healthy dose of rock and roll. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Rock and roll weekend, right? So if you're hearing us for the first time, uh, we review records. We go track by track, baby. And we have lots of musical discussions. We spotlight. uh, We do spotlight episodes, which might even include some mysteries, right? In the rock and roll world. Uh, And we've only scratched the surface. And we're just getting warmed up. Right, Mark? That's right. And stop calling me baby. Uh (laughs) I don't know. Uh, be sure to check out uh, our verse series where we uh, openly mock Pearl Jam once a month. I did that joke last time. Uh, <laughs> so good, though. <laughs> uh, in our verse series, we, we pick two bands or albums or songs or two musical worlds that, that typically butt up against each other. And we, we make them duke it out for what the kids call total stereo combination. How's that? Do you need some water? Are you okay? Yeah, be all right. <laughs> be sure to check us out on Instagram and our Facebook group. And hopefully these episodes will leave you wanting more of our musical goodness. Mark's Random Nonsense. Of course, if you have a record that you want us to check out, just drop it. Drop a comment wherever you find this. While you're at it, subscribe, like, give us a review and a rating. And now I get to the part where I say, Mark, how are you, my man? Frankie. I'm pretty stoked for for our episode today. Um, been looking forward to this. I'm really excited that you reached out and wanted to do what we're doing today. Yeah, trying to trying to push it as though the listener hasn't read the uh, the title of the episode yet. That's right. <laughs> That's right, my friend. And listen, it's been something on my list that I've been really wanting to get into. As I mentioned last episode, there was no intention behind it. It was strictly a matter of time in my adult years and in my younger years. I, I can't really tell you the logic as to what was going on there. So, Mark, when I utter the name Black Sabbath to you, tell me what you think. Uh, atmosphere. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, there's Yeah. There is a tangible atmosphere to Black Sabbath records. I, I think of that that heavy tone and the the mild sense of doom and and and, and darkness looming over you. Um, you know, if we're talking about the Ozzy era, then I think of that the kind of town drunk slash madman having um, a moment of clarity and figuring out how to express himself in the midst of all that craziness. Very Lovecraftian. Um, you know, if we're talking about like the Dio era, I'm thinking about, you know, that kind of ethereal spirit that kind of cuts through the darkness. Um, and when we're talking about the other guys, you know, no disrespect to them, but it works. It's it's just not Ozzy or Dio. So sorry, guys. Uh, but no matter who's behind the mic, um, we're talking about uh, three other amazing musicians, Tony amazing. Iommi, Geezer Butler, uh, and a personal hero of mine, Bill Ward. Um you know, they raised, excuse me, they were raised on rock and roll and the blues and found a way uh, to funnel it um, into these sounds of, of darkness that the world uh, had really only know through fantasy books. Now, uh, I need to probably clarify, they probably weren't raised on rock and roll. They, they came up in its heyday, right? But they were 
uh, openly really big fans of the Beatles and the Rolling Stones and Led Zeppelin, and believe it or not, Fleetwood Mac, but probably that early uh, Peter Green stuff. Um, that's right. just a guess. Um, you know, so this band totally rules. They're talking about an amazing guitarist and a phenomenal rhythm section. Um, you know, Tony Iommi is also uh, known for using something called the tritone or the devil's interval, right? <laughs> Which is said to give it that dark, brooding sound we all we we all know and love, right? Um, so, in short, uh, Frank, my answer to you is uh, when I think of Black Sabbath, atmosphere, atmosphere. What? Uh, <laughs> what about you? Well, and and that's great. I love the way you described it. For for me, I think of listen. I think of an industrial city in England. Ironically titled Birmingham. And and I think of four guys coming um together to really pioneer what we know is heavy metal. The the imagery to me is this industrial town and it's what we associate kind of w- w- with the name, uh the metallurgy, the chemistry, the periodic table, heavy freaking metal. Like to me, I see all of that happening when I when I think of this. Uh, of course, heavy was also a frequent term used by the kids of the beatnik and later the the hippie counterculture so some of the origins also could have come from that as well but when i think of like black sabbath and heavy metal i think of the industrial uh, uh scenery and stuff like that uh so mark uh, ozzy osborne of course he was massive uh, when i was a kid and i remember him my first memory was accompanying the british bulldogs in wrestlemania 2 uh to the ring which is pretty crazy and he had the salmon yes salmon uh covered suit uh so before his black sabbath music uh, came to my ears this is how i was really introduced <laughs> was actually uh during the rock and wrestling time uh of the popular in the popular 80s so uh what about you was that uh when you say he was covered in salmon was it the color or the fish no, it was the color. His suit oh, okay. was a salmon-colored suit. Yeah, I wasn't uh, sure if he was wearing a suit of fish. Um, no, well, I mean, that would have been amazing. But <laughs> like, man, I thought I probably would have heard of that, but this is new. Um, yeah. Yeah, so, I think like a lot of people, I was introduced to Ozzy's solo stuff, uh, or at least kids our generation, Frank. Uh, I was introduced to the solo stuff uh, way before Sabbath. Um, you know, I actually had in the, the ninth grade, that Ozzy t-shirt of him hitchhiking oh. and he's holding the sign that says hell. Yes. On it. And I remember being in high school and this like fucking snot-nosed kid that I probably thought was like the coolest kid because he was talking to me about rock and roll. But he gave me the hardest time about liking Ozzy and not knowing any Black Sabbath. The truth was, I, I just hadn't made it there yet, right? Like I was just some dumb kid. I hadn't, uh, hadn't gotten that far yet. So I, I went out of my way. I found some Black Sabbath CDs and uh, there was certainly a lot out there. There were some cassettes I had, um, and I just found them to be, you know, pound for pound better than Ozzy's solo work. There are a handful of Ozzy singles um, that are cool, but I think when you compare Ozzy's work with Sabbath and Ozzy's solo work, it, it's easy just to, to go, yep, you know what? Th- there are some great Ozzy albums, but they, especially the first four Sabbath albums, it, it's hard to argue uh, that any of his solo shit's better than that. So that's kind of how I was introduced to him. Just kind of, uh, you know, high school kids picking on each other for not knowing what was cool yet. And Sabbath came up, you know, um, I couldn't be happier. Yeah. Now, now a question for you, cause you're really more, uh, you're more savvy into them, uh, than I am. And, um, you know, straight up question. Do you think they were the true originators of the heavy metal genre? 
Yeah, let me let me be very clear about this. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> there you go. There are those that will argue that Led Zeppelin um, is the first heavy metal band because Led Zeppelin one came out before the self-titled um, Black Sabbath debut. Um, interesting, worth noting, Black Sabbath wasn't so goddamn cocky that they named every album Black Sabbath one, two, and three. Um, they just named the first one that and then went on with their lives. Anyways, um, you know, if you if you listen to those two records in a relative time span, right, you don't got to listen to them back to back, but put them on in the same day, you were listening to two different genres of music easily. Um, you know, the, the difference besides tone was that Black Sabbath was playing a, a minimalistic but brutal form of rock and roll where other bands like Led Zeppelin played a more elaborate, over-the-top composition. Black Sabbath was focused on power and intensity. Um, and I, I, I'm not crazy about Led Zeppelin, um, but they, they were a fantastic hard rock band. And I think that's the credit they deserve as being a hard rock band. You know, just because Jimmy Page stole all those songs from unknown blues artists and totally never paid them for it and is a piece of shit, has nothing to do with the fact that they were a great band. You know, he just happens to be a terrible human being. That's his problem and not mine. But That's we can discuss that one another time. Let's talk about a band that totally rules the mighty Black Sabbath. <laughs> That's true. And, and I really like the way you put that too, by the way, like the Led Zeppelin songs are so like cinematic, right? Yeah. Uh, they're, they're almost productions and Black Sabbath did have this minimalistic uh, view of things. And I always think of two songs real quick that maybe they drew some influence from, you know, mm -hmm. Helter Skelter from the Beatles and sure. then another Beatles song. Uh, I want you. She's so heavy. The Lennon composition yeah. in uh, yeah. Abbey on Abbey Road, I, I think those maybe could have snuck their way in there. Uh, not saying by any means that uh, they originated heavy metal. Obviously, I, I do agree with you that Sabbath did, and they were the first heavy metal band. But uh, if they were into that, they could have definitely be, been pulling from there. Um, so let, let's continue. So formed in 68, right? Guitarist Tommy Ione, uh, drummer Bill Ward bassist geezer butler and of course vocalist ozzy osbourne fast forward to february of 1970 and we get the debut and self-titled album featuring the then terrifying title track black sabbath uh the wizard the track nib and evil woman then later that year in september the album paranoid came out with Signature songs we all know, right? Iron Man, Paranoid, War Pigs, and more. Uh, Mark, again, since you're the savvy resident with, with Sabbath, your quick thoughts on those two classic records. Yeah, my, my pleasure, Frank. The self-titled debut is really uh, an amazing record all on its own, right? This is one of those, there is nothing that sounds like this moments in rock and roll history. They really, this was a bomb going off. This was that straightforward, minimalistic brutal sound that I was just describing, especially the first record. Um, you know, it, it, I, there's a story about Ozzy bringing it home and putting it on for his dad and his dad looking at him terrified because he had no idea what was happening. I mean, it's pretty great. I mean, um, geez. <laughs> yeah. It, you know, it, it's often imitated and attempts to duplicate it are, uh, excuse me, attempts to duplicate it and its raw power and emotion uh, are everywhere. But almost always fall short of, of what is truly a masterpiece in the first self-titled uh, release from Black Sabbath. Paranoid, on the other hand, um, is really known for all of the big Black Sabbath hits, right? Frank touched on it, Iron Man, War Pig, and Paranoid. Um, and as you said, you know, there's also Planet Caravan, 
uh, Electric Funeral, which is amazing. There's a, a killer Pantera cover of um, Planet Caravan out there. Um, and I've heard some really cool uh, Electric Funeral covers. And of course, uh, one of my personal favorites, it's a song about punks, fairies, wear boots. Um, uh, it, it was more about like uh, skinheads who weren't so much racially motivated back then, but they were kind of the punks of the world and uh, they were too stoned. Black Sabbath would be too stoned to really understand them and for them to understand Black Sabbath. So they'd fight a lot. And that's that's where that song came from, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Um, you know, we see the band stretch themselves thematically beyond kind of the macabre, though it's still it's still definitely there in their underbelly um, of their sound and address the dark and dirty world that they come from. Right. A lot of what Frank talked about, about being from Birmingham, what that world really meant, um, which truly amazing is that we're we're able to crank both of these legendary albums out in the same year. I mean, like two amazing records within 12 months. That's absolutely astounding. Um, gives me uh, like just, just goosebumps just thinking about how, how cool these records are, how close they came out, and what they did for rock and roll. Like it's, it really changed so much. Can you imagine putting on a record for somebody and they have no way to identify it with anything else that's out there? Like just the, the, when you oh, said yeah. that, I was just like, my God, think about that for a second. I mean, you put something on for somebody, and they're like, I, I don't even know what this is. I mean, that that's right. an incredible yeah, moment. And then they think you're possessed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Right after that, they think you're you're possessed. <laughs> Man, so we arrive at this album, Master of Reality, 50th anniversary coming up this year on that, which is crazy. Regarded as the foundation for doom and sludge metal and stoner rock. Listen, negative as the light shone on it in the beginning, but like many records, uh, we have seen it eventually become a favorite of the fans and the critics. And that's exactly what we have here. Uh, uh, Tony Iommi uh, down tunes his guitar not one step, one and a half steps for the purposes of reducing the string tension, making the guitar less painful to play. Why is this? This was due to Tony's injury at a factory accident uh, years before when he had the tips of his fingers severed on his last day of work. Woo, crazy. Geezer Butler would also do the same with his bass too. Um, this really made for a darker sound and shocker uh you know ozzy doesn't have much memory <laughs> with the with the recording of this album <laughs> which is pretty funny but listen we get eight songs here at 34 minutes and 29 seconds so unlike last week's album where we had 17 songs going over an hour uh this is short compact so every song really matters mark how important do you think this album is compared to the previous two sabbath records it's a great question, Frank. You know, what's so cool about this record is hearing the band really slow things down without losing their signature sound or intensity. There's this sense that they're walking the line between uh, heavy metal and blues and this, this jazz influence that just pokes its head in and out occasionally. And you can really tell the the craftsmanship that is going into this. You know, I think... One of the uh, one of the things that that stoner rock and doom metal are really um, looked down upon for is the simplicity of it, right? The it's just slow. It's you know, it, it and and it's too loud, and and all yeah. we're doing is making steady pace. Yep, steady pace noise, and it, this is the the record that built the mold that you can take it at this toned down pace, play with tempo play with your pacing 
add some really cool parts in here. There's some really great guitar work in here. Phenomenal drumming in here. Phenomenal bass playing in here that really allows them to take that template, that slow, always pushing movement and, and really fill it in with fantastic musicianship. So this record really set the tone for a lot more than just what Black Sabbath would do. It set the tone for what would become a few different subgenres of rock and roll and heavy metal. Right, absolutely. You mentioned something like Stoner Rock. So the first band I think about that most people would know is like Queens of the Stone Age, right? Which which has that tag as well. Well, that that's an offshoot of what Sabbath right was doing. So like you said, it okay. kind of then expanded in all these different directions for those who come after to pick up and and take and run with it too. And that that's pretty awesome when when you really think about that. Um, so alrighty, Mark, let's do it. Let's get into the album. Uh, start mm-hmm. us with start us with uh, cha- uh, chatting about the first track. Sweet Leaf. All right now. Won't you listen? Great opening track. I love right. that they uh, intentionally throw the listener off with that, that echoed jarring coughing, uh, only to launch into, again, that steady, heavy downbeat-driven blues number that just takes time to build and build. And it's not just building in pace, but intensity. You know, we got Bill Ward and Tony Iommi coming together like on the back half of this for this wild guitar solo where Bill Ward's doing a drum solo underneath it and it, the whole thing shapes and works perfectly. It's fucking rad, dude. Um, big shout out to Bill Ward for killing uh, the gong as the song rolls to an end. You just get this gong crushing in the background. Um, you know, I think Frank and I will probably say this a lot, this record. Um, if you're listening to this, or if, if you're going back to listen to this record when we're done, you need to turn that thing to 11. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds so good blasting into your ears yeah this is the band's love letter to cannabis and starting off with iomi coughing and all i i guess you know again the foundations for the stoner rock uh you know that could have been where it came from musically the song is just a driving force i mean powerful chord progressions during the verse and iomi's playing is just completely spot on uh to me the song in my opinion has an archetype for what bands would start doing in the 90s i think sabbath is just one of those bands again that's influenced more than just metal to me this could also pass as like proto pre-grunge um playing this song um low again does not do it justice as mark said you need to play this loud and fun fact this was sampled in the beastie boys rhyming and stealing which is the first track on their first album so fun little tidbit there next we get a track i love absolutely I absolutely love this track. It's After Forever. So uh, written by uh, bass player Geezer Butler, who was brought up Catholic in a response for the band being tagged as Satanists. <laughs> as a practicing Catholic, I completely relate to this song. And it's one of those that almost brings on uh, my anxieties, thinking about this world and potential others well after forever, as the song says. It's a struggle. I'm not ashamed to admit it. Uh, to the music, though, the music is forceful. It's brilliant absolutely brilliant i love the guitar tones uh, i'm really falling in love here with iomi's work um and we're just gelling on so many different levels to create some high quality tunes here i love this song mark yeah this song um for being ex- extremely kind of pro-christian uh totally rules uh <laughs> i think people uh, weren't paying attention or chose not to notice that the band literally always wore giant crosses. Yeah, exactly. Um, but whatever. Look, Geezer 
uh, Geezer Butler, that is, doesn't get the credit he deserves. Uh, in, in fairness, he's in a stacked band, right? Frank is slowly falling in love with Tony Iommi because he should be, yes. right? Ozzy's amazing. Bill Ward's just this monster on the drums. And Geezer's no slouch on the bass. And he's kind of the D.D. Ramones, D.D. Ramone, excuse me, of Black Sabbath, where he quietly wrote a bunch of all yeah. of his songs and, you know, just kind of was hanging out in the back collecting a paycheck. Quietly, was, yeah. Yeah, and, and just, you know, killed it. But again, superb bass player, wrote some amazing songs. And this song really is just, it's got that classic galloping Black Sabbath guitar that, that we all know and love. Um, and it's a really good Ozzy performance. It, this is probably one of his, despite him not remembering any of the recording process, one of his better recordings. It, it sounds super clean. I mean, certainly Frank and I were listening to this on Spotify, so it was a recent remaster, but the remaster is super clean. So good. Ozzy's vocals are are spot on. Um, they feel earnest, which is great. He He doesn't deliver them sarcastically. He really, you feel him deliver these lyrics as though he he means them. Uh, this song totally rules, man. Totally rules. Couldn't agree with you more. Uh, track three, uh, Embryo. This is how I learned to spell embryo. Um, <laughs> you know, in, in previous uh, albums, the Black Sabbath would just kind of glue interludes and, and bridges from one song to the other just at the end of track. Right? That's why those first two records, you know, it's, you know... Uh, War Pig slash Luke's Wall. Uh, you know, this song slash that song. And, and right. that's all they were doing. They were just gluing them together. In this one, they separate them out. So Frank and I are going to talk about them individually. Um, it's just kind of beautiful. It, you know, it's just this standalone guitar work that really transitions beautifully into the next track. I mean. Yeah. I mean, one of two interludes on the album. It's a great showcase, I think, for Iomi to play on some scales. And as Mark said, leads right into the next song, which is Children of the Grave. Again, a fantastic buildup to Ozzy's vocals. Uh, we get anti-war themes like in War Pigs. Uh, in a quote from Ozzy, he says about this song, that's a happy song, actually. My interpretation uh, of that is that in every generation, there's a new revolution. Every generation hates something about uh, the current generation. So every the, the youngers obviously hate something about mm. the current generation. Uh, it was our punk song, if you like. Now, this is 1971. This is me talking now. This is 1971. We're a few years away from the terms freak out and punk being circulated around. Uh, however, I could totally see how this could be looked at another early form of something. And I'm actually surprised it's not referenced more as a potential starting point. Um it's a really good song with the anti-war theme. It, it, it sounds like that war. So, um, you know, to me, it, it could be one of those that people maybe don't look at as a starting point for these other forms of music. Yeah, I, I agree with you totally, man. You know, you really feel uh, a lot of the band's uh, influences from the 60s here with the lyrical content. Yes. Musically, yes. we're getting a really wide swath of influence. Uh, that galloping guitar right up front, just kind of like pushing you out of the gate. Uh, the whole band just kind of jams in and, and just brings it to a roar. Again, listen to this record as loud as you can. It rules. <laughs> Excuse me. The additional pounding drums in the background, um, like tanks out of sight, rolling around you somewhere like a block away, destroying houses or buildings or whatever. You don't know what's going on. You just know that there's a rumbling behind you and it sounds amazing. And it just adds this layer of depth 
um, to the song that really just drives this message home of this anti-war uh, pro-peace message, which for a bunch of Satanists is kind of crazy. Um, you know, <laughs> it, it's just such an iconic number for them. Plus, uh, the use of that that devil's tritone here to bring the the horror of war to to life, right? Um, we can't not talk about how awesome this guitar solo is because it totally rules. Tony Iommi is uh, forgotten way too often when people make lists of awesome guitar players. This dude, I agree, totally fucking rules. I got a thing later where I'm going to talk about somebody making a giant mistake that involves Tony Iommi, but I'm all the more grateful for it. Um, because this dude rules. There's a killer solo in that thing. It's just amazing. Wow. Such a beautiful, such a great song. Um, and you know, to, to your point, Frank, I think because War Pigs was such a hit, Children of the Grave tends to get overlooked. I could see that. Yep. Okay. Um, that, that's just my my theory. I um, mean, it makes perfect sense. It really does. Uh, at number five, it's the reason I learned to spell the word orchid. It's orchid. <laughs> Um, yeah, I really like the use of, of these interludes on the records. It's so much, um, so much so that I, Frank really does a great job of summing it up. Frank, <laughs> it's the second interlude, right? And Naomi said he he didn't really play acoustic that much. Uh, well, you know, he he does this extremely well, and this is like a it's almost a dreamscape of a song that brightens up. But thus far, is a very heavy feeling album. Uh, for as particular as I am with albums and their structures, I welcome this. Not. Um, it's not overly long and it breaks the songs up uh, to make, you know, to make you uh, kind of hear these things and the albums that, that become more memorable. And this to me actually is a very memorable uh, interlude, especially with, with the acoustic guitar in there. And then we go right into track six, Lord of this world. Uh, I love that at, 30 seconds, that 30 second mark in the song, we get this change in tempo. Uh, topically, we're hearing how people do evil instead of love and uh, really how it, it doesn't matter at the end of the day when we move on. So the Lord of this world you know, is Satan as he's the almighty representation of seduction. It's all within us, right? It's just a matter as if we do our best from making its presence known. Uh, I, I love, love, love again, the Iomi riffs. The bass is super heavy. It's like a bunch of boulders just falling on the highway. I, I absolutely love this track, Mark. Thanks for not getting too Catholic on us there. Um, I'm just kidding. No, great <laughs> visual description of this song, buddy. That, you know, the, the boulders hitting the highway. Uh, really kind of does do a great job of, of describing the sound, the you know the 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 the, un, the unrelenting weight of this, right? Um, really, really great description. Interesting that they they put the intro on it after the interlude, right? Because they could have picked right. up that thirty second mark where Frank uh, mentioned, you know, just a, a quick little right into it. Um, you know, especially because this is a five minute song. Um, it always just kind of keep moving and exploring itself and, and, and changing sounds and, and doing some really cool stuff. It's interesting the way Ozzy sings this as he changes perspective from verse to verse, leaving uh, the narrator as an ambiguous figure. I'm prone to agree with you that, that he, he's probably mostly speaking from the point of the devil, Frank. Right. But he leaves it to the listener to decide if he's talking to the devil or if it's the devil himself talking. It's really right, which is great. Yeah. yeah. Great storytelling, way to keep the listener engaged and involved. And, and especially if you're psychopaths like me and Frank, who are trying to 
you know, we always hear that artists say like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm just putting words together. They don't mean anything. Yeah, that's cool. Except now that you put them together, they mean something. So what does that something mean? And this is a fun one to, to kind of play with, right? Really kind of getting into that, that yeah. of good and evil. Um, I, I just love it. Um, I love the use of the, that muted cowbell as a bit of a breakdown before breakdowns were a thing, right? Again, pre-hardcore by yeah. 20 years, they threw in two really cool, instead of a China symbol, it's a muted cowbell, two cool b- breakdowns. Um, you know, musically, they keep pushing it into different directions that, that just keep I mean, me glued to my speakers. With no, same here. Same here. Absolutely. Absolutely love that track. Um, track seven, Solitude. Man, we're flying through this record, dude. I know. <laughs> it's, um, a, it's not a 17-track album. <laughs> right. Um, you know, Flute, it's not just for Jethro Tull. Oh, they came up again. Um, <laughs> I'd go as far as to say this is how Black Sabbath approaches something like a ballad. Um, somber, remorseful. This song balances so nicely against the heavy drive of the rest of this album. And it serves as a bit of a, an extended breath of fresh air, right? The interludes, you get a little bit of air from that, that kind of really crushing, galloping sound. This one, you know, they're letting you in a little bit more. They're, they're showing you they're not just a one-trick pony, but they're letting you relax a little bit, right? They're little, maybe a false sense of security, if you will. I really love the song choice, the placement of it. Um, you know, this song could have been cliche as fuck, but... You know, and, and, and people would have just mocked Ozzy for it as they do later on in his career when he gets cliche as fuck. But this is just like an almost amazingly personal performance you feel out of him. Um, I, I, I really dig this track. I love its placement on the record, it, the way they changed sounds for, for this and opened it up to, to a more a wider audience in that way. Yeah, totally with you. I mean, Ozzy's vocals here have a delay, which gives it uh, that layered voice sound. It's almost like, oh, is this is this Ozzy? But it is. It is, absolutely. Iomi is playing the guitar, the flute, the piano on this track. Uh, listen, you know the song's about breaking up with someone, and the guitar in the beginning being played in solitude really just sets the tone, right? Uh, then Ozzy comes in at first, and like I said, it doesn't even sound like him, but there's a desperation here, and not only his voice, but all the instruments that are played, and it's so quiet, and it's like they're almost being played on their own, again, in solitude. Uh, and it's those attention to details that are displayed here that really make the difference between something being good and something being legendary, right? And and this definitely is the latter. Ozzy also shows that he could legit sing here. I mean, it's just, it's a beautiful tune showing that this band is more than what the average fan may think, more than what I thought too. Yeah, yeah. We get the last track here, Into the Void. Uh, this is known as James Hetfield's favorite Black Sabbath song, and Eddie Van Halen listed it as one of his all-time favorite riffs. Listen, I love the dystopian future feel and the nature to this song. It adds more texture to it, and at the three-minute mark, the tempo picks up, and, and we get fast here, which is cool. Uh, could this be the seeds here for what could eventually be thrash metal? Maybe that's why Hetfield really taked to the song a lot, or took to the song a lot. Um, this song makes, you know, it's like another another color to the palette that would eventually make up metal for years to come. And I think it's a great closing track to this record. Uh, another song I absolutely love, love, love. Mark? Yeah, you don't hear me do this often, but I totally agree with James Hetfield and Eddie Van Halen 
on this riff, man. This song rules. Uh, it, 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 seriously, what an amazing opening riff. Uh, talk about a six-minute song that has every opportunity to get boring and cliche. Oh, my God. These dudes were just blasting a new line in the sand, and they, they used dynamite uh, with this badass number. I mean, they, they really changed the game, and Into the Void is just one of those tracks that really, really does it. You know, we build into this classic uh, two-four sway. Ozzy delivers the goods with his singing on this one. He really brings it. Um you get that tempo change Frank mentioned, and the mm -hmm. drums uh, just trample your expectation as uh, Tony Iommi drives the band headfirst, literally into the void with you kicking and screaming the whole way. It's fucking amazing. Oh, my God. Uh, you so... know, we then return to that classic sway. You know, Bill and Geezer never let you breathe. They, they just keep pounding you with this groove. And really, just so that Tony Iommi can come back and just kill you with solos that just never quit this song is so fucking awesome uh <laughs> excuse me um, it is it's amazing pace just so that they can slow it down and show you how powerful they can do these quick little stops just so that iomi can rip off of them and then back to blasting your eardrums into fucking smith marines it, it, <laughs> turn this album up destroy your hearing it's worth it the song fucking rolls and and ends the album um with it leaves you just racing to turn the record over and turn it up because it's it's just so good. Um, yeah, that's how I feel about it. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, final thoughts, uh, you know, before we get into that uh, top ten. So, here we go. You know, I could see in 1970 playing this then new style of of heavy guitar focused music with dark theme. I could see that would tag them as Satanists, but there's so much more to them than just saying that, hey, this is what they were. This album is 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 a really an amazing piece of music that in fact it's 50 years old. Um it's incredible because to me, it almost, it still sounds new. It still sounds new. Each song, including the instrumentals, carries their own elements of influences that others would take and emulate, right? From the down tuning of the guitars to the steady pace tempos, the mid song tempo changes, the palm mute verses, the riff centric choruses. This album shows you it doesn't need to be 17 songs for it to be impactful. Uh, with regards to the themes, yeah, it's dark. Um, well, you know, no shit, it's heavy metal, right? The, the, <laughs> I mean, but there's some vulnerability here as well. <laughs> there's vulnerability here. Not, but it's not like emotional vulnerability in a, in a relationship or in a love sense, but more the dealing with those emotions. Um, in you know, in a different way. Uh, I could see where the stoner rock came from, but I could also see where other genres and rock really looked to this for some guidance. Uh, I think the master of reality title is fitting, um, as it is with. Uh, all all these themes where it, it puts ownership on you, saying you are the master of your reality, which is how I took it. Uh, there are temptations and some messed up stuff along the way, but it's your choice how you want it to shape out. Uh, this album's incredible, Mark. I'm glad it, I'm glad you mentioned not only this one. I'm glad it's you know the 50th anniversary, so we are able to talk about it. To me, it's. I have 8.59, but it, it's 9, 9.5. It's amazing. Uh, mm -hmm. what, what else can I say, Mark? Your final thoughts on that? Yeah, okay. In case you missed it, um, I think this record fucking rules. I'm with you on this one, Frank. This is, it's only a 9.5 and not a 10 because this could have been 17 tracks and I'd have been happy. 
it, it just kept going like this because this record rule is so well balanced. It fucking rocks. I mean, you know, when Frank mentioned he wanted to get more into Sabbath, um, we started here for a few reasons. Like reason number one being uh, that whether he knew it or not, he was super familiar with Paranoid. Um, and not that that's their best record, but it, it's got all the hits on it. And um, it doesn't do as much as this record does in terms of really stretching what it is heavy metal is going to be. And I think when you listen to Master of Reality, you hear that depth and you hear that emotion that Frank was just talking about. And it, it comes across in a much heavier way. Reason two uh, is that it's easily my favorite Black Sabbath <laughs> album. So nice. thanks, Frank. Um, again, amazingly balanced. We get some of the best musical performances from each member of the band in the discography. Um, and lastly, uh, it's got all the amazing deep tracks we literally just talked about. War Pigs is cool. Iron Man rocks, but Into the Void is an epic unto itself. Beautiful. Children of the Grave fucking rules. Sweet Leaf is literally a gateway drug into heavier and heavier sounds. <laughs> um, you like how I did that? I do, um, I do. And we should all be grateful. Um, I'll park that uh, right there because otherwise it's just going to turn me. me <laughs> We're going to do the review album. all over again. <laughs> right. Um, you know, honestly, and, and I had a great time revisiting uh the black sabbath catalog this week just getting back into it enjoying those those earlier aussie records doing the do albums the other guys you know those records aren't amazing but they're cool they're fun there's certainly some interesting stuff in there um but this is kind of the best of the best when it comes to black sabbath and if you disagree with me that's between you and you know the master of your reality so <laughs> you say um I did my score, right? I did 9.5 because the yep. only way to get better is if we're longer. Um, so why don't we jump into, we're doing top 10 Sabaverse things. So uh, our each of our 10 favorite things from the Black Sabbath universe. Yep. Um, all things Sabbath. All things Sabbath. You want to kick it off or you want me to go? Uh, I'll, I'll go real quick if that's cool. I'll start. So this is something I mentioned earlier. Top 10. Again, WrestleMania 2. Uh, call me Lars Fredrickson here. Go ahead, Mark. Say it. <laughs> Lars Fredrickson. <laughs> but I love old school wrestling. Uh, I mentioned this earlier, but this is one of my first memories of Ozzy. So that's why it makes this list. Again, not, he wasn't covered in salmon, but he had a salmon colored suit on uh, and he was with Captain Lou Albano. It's just awesome. 80s rock and wrestling. Ozzy was there. It's awesome. That's my number 10. What about you, uh, sir? Uh, number 10 for me, I have Mr. Zach Wilde. I'm, oh. I'm a big fan of 90s Ozzy and the sound he got with Zach Wilde, uh, most notably of Black Label Society, um, was just amazing. I, I'm not a huge Black Label Society fan. They're, they're fine. Um, I'm just not, I, I've never gone out of my way to listen to them. Um, but his work with Ozzy is just so good and clean. Um, you know, he's probably the best at filling Randy Rhodes shoes as anyone who's ever played with Ozzy. Yeah. So, yeah, very cool. Very cool. Next is um, something else I mentioned again was Iomi's fingertips. So at the age of 17, he lost his fingertips, as mentioned earlier. Uh, this occurred after an industrial accident at the sheet metal factory. Um, and he was told he would never play again. Well, that's it. That's that's my that's my number nine. <laughs> Man, little rubber tips put on his fingers. Yeah, funny. absolutely. Uh, so for me, number nine is Sabbath and Bloody Sabbath. Not just the song, the album uh, rules. Um, 
probably the last great one to feature Ozzy. Um, you know, but that's that's up to you. Uh, we could have listed all the Sabbath albums or, or ranked all the Ozzy Sabbath albums or something. Uh, but they're so personal that it's not really worth it. This one for me just happens to be um, one of those great records that sets itself apart from the first two, sets itself apart from this. Um, it, it's just a great record. It, it is, it's definitely, um, you know, when you got some free time, Frank, be sure to check it out. Yeah, I mean, the the track I know off, off the top of my head in that album is Sabra Cadabra, and I love it. So that's a, that's a great track. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, all right, so... My next one is just the vocalists, right? So the lineup changes. I know that could be a headache, um, but having a band that had Ozzy, uh, Ronnie James Dio, and Ian Gillen, um, I mean, even though he was for one album, but if you just think about that for a second, having a band that had these three singers, it's pretty damn remarkable, man. Pretty damn remarkable. So uh, just that whole aspect to me made my top list. Yeah, absolutely. So my number seven, is uh is I wrote Jackie O. Jackie O. Uh, something about Jackie O. NASA. Oh wait a minute. You know when uh, you remember the show The Osbournes? Yes. So that was a massive fuck off TV show when we were younger, and and people couldn't stop watching it. And oh, they're obsessed with it. Yeah, for for whatever reason. Well, I don't know. It's not for whatever reason because of genetics, um, and and my English history or background, right? My whatever that is, um. I looked like Jack Osborne at that time. We, you know, I was a chubby kid with a bad haircut and kind of looked like Jack Osborne. I'm not saying it got me laid, but I'm not saying it didn't. <laughs> Thanks, Jack. I remember the first time meeting meeting Mark, and right, you go you, when we were in the band, and you come and, and I, you made a reference to that. You're like, I know they say I look like Jack Osborne. <laughs> I really did. <laughs> To the point where I would go as Halloween, I think two or three years in a row as Jack Osborne, and nobody gave me a hard time. They were like, oh, I guess he must dress different in real life. He just looks like he's wearing regular clothes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's so awesome. Uh, number seven on my list is Lita Ford. So Iomi was once engaged to the metal goddess. Um, yeah, Lita Ford. I, I had no idea about that, but that was pretty cool and of course uh she did the close my eyes forever song with ozzy which would probably have been my second memory of knowing about ozzy in the 80s which was a i mean that video was massively rotated uh when mtv actually wanted to play music so um yeah lita ford that was next on my list mark i love when you dad complain about mtv Uh, always Um, so number six on my list is uh mob rules mob rules so the second Dio Sabbath album, it might be my favorite uh, of his Sabbath albums. There are only the two. It's just a rad album that gets overlooked. Uh, so I wanted to bring it up because it's a cool record. Um, I mean, it's it's Ronnie James Dio. You know that he sounds amazing in it. Um, it, it it's just a great record. Like I, I definitely recommend if you're going to stretch yourself into that Dio catalog, check out Mob Rules, man. That's a fun record. Ironically, though, uh, Mob Rules and uh, what's the name of it? The first record he did with them, Heaven and um, Hell. I'm sorry, was it Heaven and Hell? Heaven and Hell, yeah. The opening risk for both albums kind of sound the same, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I like Mob Rules, I think it's the better record of the two. They're, they're both great records. I was gonna um, say, Heaven and Hell, I, I enjoyed that too, actually. Yeah, I, I, 
there's something about mob rules to me it's just got a little bit more kind of like you, you know you could feel that things weren't going well with the band and then it came out musically and like they were really pissed off i think it's a cool record cool cool Number six for me is is Pat Boone. Um, yeah, so Ozzy was once neighbors with singer Pat Boone. And Ooh. my only response to that is I could only imagine what that dynamic was like. So <laughs> that, yeah. that, that made a list. So he was a singer, he was friend or neighbors with Pat Boone. All right, there you go. Um, so for me at number five, I have Jethro Toll. They've come up a few times this evening. Um, Tony Iommi supposedly left the band back when they were called Earth. Um, which is interesting because apparently they stopped calling themselves Earth because there was another British rock band called Earth. Yeah. I don't know, man. Hey, look, it was the late '60s. They did so. They, they were apparently hippies at some point. <laughs> Whatever. Anyway, so he left to join Jethro Tull, but quit after a week of early morning practices. Right. That's that's the story Tony Iommi gives. You know, they did these early morning practices. He wanted out. Um, Ian Anderson. Uh, of Jethro Tull would later claim that Tony wasn't cutting it on account of his disability no. and that he wouldn't be able to play the parts that Ian wanted him to play. What dick blames a dude for his disability? Turns out it worked out for us though in the end, didn't it, Frank? <laughs> it sure did. And I don't have to listen to Jethro Tull. Fuck you, Jethro. That's right. There's no way they could have won like best metal album of, of the year when Metallica released the black album. I mean, that that's just, yeah. yeah. Crazy. Mm-hmm. All right. Number, number five um, is, is Barbara Bush, uh, former, yeah. Former president uh, George W uh, told Ozzy that his mom loved his stuff. Uh, was that a joke? I, I don't know, but uh, you know, I would like to think that, uh, you know, metal isn't just exclusive to the young um well today you know maybe but uh yeah the fact that uh first lady was saying i like ozzy's stuff at that time that that to me is pretty interesting so that made the list what what's more interesting to me is george w hanging out with ozzy like when did that happen were they doing coke (laughs) weren't they oh my god yeah Um, George so, W. Part he used to party, right? I mean, <laughs> sure did. <laughs> uh, at number four for me uh, is is Bill Ward. Um, you guys have been hearing me talk about how great he is all night. As a drummer, I've always looked up to him. He, he's just a badass. He beats his drums into pure submission, and he never misses a beat. His timing, his tempo, are all impeccable. Um, you know, I'm a better drummer uh, for having listened to his work. He's yeah, he's absolutely amazing. I wish I had. Uh, you know, I think I saw them play one of the Ozfests as, as like the last reunion where he was in it, um, and he was in his seventies, and he was still kicking ass and still awesome. That's Bill amazing. Was an absolute beast. Um, I didn't write him in here, so I'm just going to throw an asterisk. Um, Geezer Butler totally fucking rolls. Yeah, too. yeah. I mean, they're just amazing musicians. Yeah. Amazing. That's awesome. Uh, next I have Black Sabbath, the song, the song from their debut album. Um, there, there's a line, the figure in black. Uh, this was a shadowy figure that, uh, bassist Geezer Butler claims to have seen after waking up from a nightmare. That scares the shit out of me, man. And I know Mark, mm-hmm. I know you agree with me. <laughs> oh yeah. 100%. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, that's for that's that's those are moments for our therapists, but that that stuff that stuff scares me. <laughs> so, yeah. but but still, it made the list, so it had to impact yeah. me in some in some way, shape, or form. <laughs> Absolutely, and, and I think to the to the point you like to the greater point you're making the the imagery, right? The, the ability to to draw you into this macabre world that they really did create softly. Right. I, that's just a great example of of their ability to do that. So insane excellent choice. Yeah. Um, so for me, uh, I'm at choice number three. Um, it's going to be Randy Rhodes and the Blizzard of Oz. You know, Blizzard's probably Ozzy's best solo work. Um, and that's in large part to the classically trained guitarist from Quiet Riot uh, who gave his all. Um, you right. know, most uh, know him for Crazy Train and Mr. Crowley, but check out Goodbye to Romance. That song rules, um, as well as Suicide Solution. Randy was really a one-of-a-kind guitarist that had taken Ozzy sonically forward and really gave him new life. Um, yeah. Not enough can be said about uh, the fantastic work and life of Randy Rhodes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, life taken too soon. That's the truth, right? Mm-hmm. Um, number three for me is Gandalf. Uh, their song, The Wizard, uh, was inspired by Gandalf from Lord of the Rings. I think and it's it pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's pretty cool. Cool imagery, um, you know, cool mystique about it. So that made my list. Absolutely. Um, no surprise to folks who mentioned one of his records earlier, Dio. Dio. Um, you know, Rainbow was a cool enough band, but I, I don't know that we would have heard of them if, if Dio hadn't joined Sabbath. Um, or at least they wouldn't have then later gotten the recognition. Um you know, the, the two Dio records are absolutely amazing, as I mentioned before, and, and certainly right. should not be overlooked um, because you think Ozzy is better. That's not the point. Plus, you know, would we have gotten Dio's solo career um, had he not spent the time in Sabbath? So, uh, or would it have been considered as prolific? It, it's really an interesting question. Um, another, uh, certainly he wasn't taken as young, but a, a life lost way too soon because yeah. time Dio. Um, was not only an amazing singer, he was a complete gentleman and one of the, the oh. best dudes in heavy metal. Paisan, man. Paisan. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> uh, number two for me was <laughs> number two for me is just the rehearsal. So in the early days, uh, they would rehearse across from a movie theater. So they would get uh, the idea to to kind of make this scary music after seeing how fun uh, people would have watching horror movies. That that to me is so cool. That's a story mm-hmm. that uh, that to me is just it's iconic. I could only imagine living in that moment. How cool that must have been to be rehearsing in the movie theater and to be creating this sound. Um, I wish I wish I could have seen that. That's all I could have say. So um, yeah, just a whole rehearsal that made my list. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, it, it's funny. You think about something as simple as that, right? They practice across from the movie theater. They got all these ideas to do horror movie like songs and grow it. And then we think about like our list last week of, of top 10 bassists and Cliff Burton, who was so interested in combining horror movies and heavy metal. Yeah. And like we're drawing these lines from Black Sabbath to everything that happened after Black Sabbath because they are so amazing. Oh, um, so amazing. So my number one choice, and I'm not sure how this happened, uh, if I went twice, <laughs> if I skipped something. Um my number one choice, Black Sabbath gave us heavy metal, period. That's all you need. Yeah. That's, that's it. That's the number one thing in the Sabbath verse. 
fucking heavy metal. <laughs> oh man. Oh man. Uh, my number one, uh, yo, <laughs> it's the bat, mm-hmm. the bat. So in 82, Ozzy would just bite the head off a bat in Iowa. Uh, that creature was thought to be dead. Uh, and it was thrown on stage by a fan and he was rushed to the medical center uh, for rabies shots after. I mean, just think about that for a second, right? A fan throws a bat, a live bat on the stage and he just decides to to bite the head off that bat. I mean, that, that that's an amazing story. People, probably most people think uh, you're joking when you say that, but it actually did happen. And that made my, my number one list. So, man, so many cool things. We could, probably could have done another 10 uh, collectively about mm-hmm. the band, but uh, this was just so fantastic to to talk about them. Can I can I tell you what I love about the bat thing the most? Tell me. My favorite thing about the bat thing is how much Alice Cooper hates it because, because of the chicken. The chicken. <laughs> he did the chicken thing in like '79, where he threw the live chicken into the audience. And <laughs> yes. And he tore it to pieces, and he was seen as being so extreme, and yeah. he was like the craziest guy out there. And then Ozzy bites the head off his bat, and Alice Cooper's just like. <laughs> I'm not so crazy anymore. Anyway, uh man, those were some great lists. Yeah, man. This yeah. <laughs> what do we have in store for next week? All right, my friend. Mm-hmm. We're gonna talk about sports. Aww. No, the record. Oh. Yeah. By Huey Lewis and the News. Oh. Listen. I can't wait to talk about this. There's a lot of musical goodness on this album. And it listen, it, it personifies the 80s. It was all over when, when we were uh, kids listening to it. Um, it's a great record. I want to dive into it more. And there's going to be a really, stay tuned, because there's going to be a really cool top 10. Uh, and it's going to be special. Mark, are you, are you amped for this? It should be a real blast from the past, Frank. <laughs> well thanks for listening everyone listen check us out wherever you digest a podcast like and subscribe um all those other good things let us know what your thoughts are and stay safe and of course ciao i'll be continued